Wonderful. Tanchi, bonjour. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Research Time Season 2, Episode 6. Um, today's guest will be, a, again, a, a phenomenal educator that really does care about their students in holistic ways, but really takes the time to think about notions in strategic ways. That's why with the conversation today, which we will be talking about uh, in further detail in just moments, but I'm really looking forward to having this educator on as I feel that their knowledge that they're going to be sharing is very valuable. So here she is. Oh. Hi. <laughs> Hello, how are you doing? I'm good. How are you? Good, thank you. Mm-hmm. And uh, thank you so much for being able to join me today, too. I know with the conversation you and I are just about to go through, it's going to be really wonderful and really mm-hmm. meaningful. So I'm really uh, appreciative that you're able to join me on this journey for the podcast. Yeah, of course. Thanks for having me. I'm really excited. <laughs> me too. Me too. Um, awesome. So, of course, uh, before we get started here today, too, um, just always feel grounded and rooted. I always like to do a land acknowledgement. Um, so uh, thank you again for being able to join me uh, with yeah, yeah. our territory as well. So yeah. Um, so um, I am currently uh, situated on uh, the traditional territory of Mohkinsis, uh, which is of Treaty Seven territory, which belongs to the Nisitepi of uh, Sixtaga, uh, Gena, uh, Bagani, uh, Iahenokora, which is uh, Stony Nakora Nation, mm-hmm. and Sutina. Um, and I also want to acknowledge that this territory is home to Métis Nation Region 3, which is a nation I belong to, so mm-hmm. very proud of that. Mm-hmm. Um, and finally, uh, we want to acknowledge all folks, Indigenous and non, who, uh, who continue to enact reconciliation, who continue to engage with these forms of conversations to really showcase a strong and beautiful and meaningful community that can be able to work together and uh, be able to be courageous in those ways. So um, thank you so much again and for the folks here. Um, so with Amanda, you're located on a different territory. Yeah, I'd like to acknowledge that I am on Treaty 6 territory, um, a traditional meeting grounds, gathering place and traveling route to the Cree, Salto, Blackfoot, Métis, Dene, and Nakota Sioux. I acknowledge that all many First Nations, Métis, and Inuit, whose footsteps have marked these lands for centuries, and I'm very thankful that we get to be on this beautiful land every day um, and share and you know celebrate the knowledge that the Indigenous people bring for us. Thank you. Thank you so much for, mm-hmm. for being able to offer that today. Yeah. So Amanda, oh my golly goodness. I, you know, when I first started this podcast and especially for season two, I was mm-hmm. like, I gotta reach out to Amanda. Like <laughs> going through um, undergrad with you was just yeah. such a wonderful experience. We've done mm-hmm. a couple assignments together. So I know you're so smart. You're so intelligent. Oh, you're so you. thoughtful. You're, you're just, you're very passionate also too, especially in regards to education, especially in regards mm-hmm. to your students. So I thought this would be such a fabulous conversation and understanding what you're also up to too within the world. I'm like, oh, even better. So um, Amanda, I, again, I'm very appreciative that you're able to be with me today and to be able mm-hmm. to talk about the topic that we will be soonly uh, discussing, but would you be willing to share, um, aspects about yourself and things sure. you're and yeah. just some things about you? Yeah, well, first off, thank you for having me. Like, you're over here talking me up, but look at you, you have your own podcast, you're researching, you want to support educators, you want to get your PhD, that's incredible. <laughs> Um, you, you are an inspiration in all the things you are researching and sharing. And um, I just love that you're just trying to educate and educate and educate. And that's amazing. So thank you for having me. I'm excited. Like I told you earlier, I like to talk. 
And trauma yeah. is something that is um, very interesting to me and uh, something I'm very passionate about. But uh, who I am? Well, uh, I am currently teaching grade two. I taught grade five last year and grade six my first year. Um, it was quite the jump going down from grade five to grade two, but so far I'm loving it. I have a wonderful class this year. Um, I'm just a classroom teacher. I am. Um, I'm in person, so I'm teaching in person right now in class. Um, and yeah, I know I just I love being an educator. I love uh, being creative and using my hands and just building. I love building with my students. Um, I'm constantly doing some sort of project at home, uh, whether it's um, painting a wall or building a bench and painting that bench. Uh, I'm like my uh, my fiance always says that I'm an energizer bunny because I always nah. be doing something. <laughs> it's, rare that, it's rare that you'll catch me watching TV or watching Netflix. And oh. I think that's part of the reason why I decided to pursue my master's as well, just because it's I do love learning and I really do love kind of... Um, expanding my mind and just sort of figuring out how I can be the best educator for my students and not only that but just you know like be a better person for myself too right so mm. yeah I don't know I think that's, that's gorgeous yeah yeah well thank yeah. you again for having me absolutely and and with your masters too um if you're willing to share with the with the folks uh joining us today with the podcast mm -hmm. and also for the future listeners um what was your uh, master's in and, mm -hmm. and if you willing to share your experience with going through your master's as well if, if that's okay no of course yeah so i got my master of education in trauma and resilience and educational setting it's a mouthful um and i did it all online and i loved it it was an amazing program um i learned about so many important topics um i got to collaborate with so many um different educators who had a common goal we were all doing the same minor and so it was a lot of very focused collaboration and talking about trauma and and how mm -hmm. we can support students um and even other teachers in kind of implementing that trauma-informed practice and um i loved it i loved what i was learning even the textbooks and the books we got to read were really interesting um the assignments were really engaging uh and very on topic um we did one course at a time for five weeks and so it was like your whole life was just that one topic for five weeks and so wow. I felt that instead of only getting to touch on a few things every class it was very focused learning mm -hmm. and understanding and so um yeah it was great I was sad that I didn't get to go to my actual grad because unfortunately you know the pandemic started in March and mm -hmm. I graduated in April, but um, I was very—I'm very fortunate to have had that experience with that master's, and it—and it—and it really has truly helped me in my uh, in my practice in my classroom for sure. That's amazing, mm -hmm. and you know, congratulations again for Thank completing you. your master's. I think it's just such a wonderful opportunity and, mm -hmm. and a meaningful endeavor, especially as educators to also go through too. So it's um it's commendable, and it's absolutely wonderful that that you were able to. And you too. <laughs> you too. <laughs> So folks uh, today who are, who are again uh, listening and watching, uh, due to the nature of the conversation, uh, this is the first time where um, I thought that it would be really important to provide a content warning. I think mm -hmm. it's just because of the nature of trauma and where it can uh, drive from. So uh, with that, I will be uh, uh, sharing a statement with you all tonight. 
again, due to the nature of the conversation, Educate the Earth's Research Time feels that it is important to admit a content warning. Um, trauma affects everyone differently. In this episode, we share the importance of how educators can become better informed to support their students and overall school community. We will not be disclosing experiences. We will not be sharing our own experiences if we are to have any experiences with trauma. That is not the intentionality of this episode, but rather it is to support a set of strategies and for educators to become more aware of what trauma is mm -hmm. and how they can better support these practices within their classroom settings. Mm -hmm. So with that, this conversation can be listened to at this moment in time, or if you want to take your time with listening to this episode, that is a-okay. But simply, we're just trying to uh, provide teachers and folks in general uh, with ways they can nurture this educational practice uh, to support growth, uh, to provide safety and also awareness. So as such, please uh, feel free to listen to this episode when you feel safe, comfortable, and ready to do so. So thank you so much. So with that, folks, our topic is obviously trauma-informed instruction, uh, mm -hmm. amplifying resilience of children and youth. Um, yeah. So Amanda, you were the one to choose this wonderful resource uh, mm -hmm. where you and I will be able to unpack. I think it's really interesting and I'd really love if you'd be able to share what the resource is about and also um, what the resource is in general. Of course. So this was um, a book that I actually read during my master's. It's called The, the Trauma-Informed School, a step-by-step -step implementation guide for administrators and school personnel. Um, and specifically, we chose to unpack chapter three and chapter 10. Um, chapter three specifically is all about um, what trauma is and what toxic stress is, and then how trauma and toxic stress can impact the students and, and impact their learning and their development. Um, and then chapter 10 is actually all about how you could take that information and, and build meaningful connections with your students, um, because that is first and foremost, the most important thing when working with not only students impacted by trauma, but any student. And so um, I'm interested to kind of talk about um, and give you guys some information about what trauma is and what toxic stress is and how that can negatively impact our students right. for sure. Mm -hmm. Right. And uh, I think, again, this uh, this will be a really important conversation, especially mm -hmm. to hold pedagogically within practice and, and yeah. to hold near to our hearts, right? So yeah. um, with that, um, what did you find interesting about the resource? Uh, the most interesting things for me is definitely and something I, I really had to kind of understand during my master's and my time doing school was the idea that trauma looked different for everyone, right? Mm -hmm. um, I think a lot of us will have kind of the idea that, that trauma means like, oh, a child's gone through a divorce or a child has lost a family member or a parent or a sibling or something, you know, a natural disaster or their house is on fire or, or lots of different things. I think we have these misconceptions that trauma equals a huge event in a child's life and that's not always the case trauma isn't simply just a specific serious event it's an emotional reaction to that event and so what might seem like something small to us it, depending on the reaction that child has had to that event could cause significant trauma um, right. to that child in that development um, and it's you know in this book you you read a lot and it, it does stress this over and over again that if a child has a caring, nurturing relationship with a trusted adult in their life, it's often that 
you know, those experiences won't be as traumatic for the for those kids because you know, ultimately life happens and we all go through things. But if kids have someone that cares about them and nurtures them, often the trauma won't be as bad or it won't cause a traumatic reaction. But unfortunately, you know, some of our students, some of our kiddos don't have those home lives or those adults in their lives that care about them and take care of them. And so these seemingly small events to us have actually caused lasting impact on these kids. Um, and that's something interesting that just is kind of challenging our notion of what we think trauma is and what we think trauma is caused by. Um, and another thing I thought was really interesting was the idea of ACEs or adverse childhood experiences. And most people, I think I remember when I was doing my research, it was like 60% of uh, adults have had at least one adverse childhood experience. And that could be anything from neglect, emotional abuse, um, physical abuse, mental abuse, uh, household dysfunction, right? Uh, divorce, neglect, so many different things that can cause an adverse childhood experience. Um, and when kids are exposed to multiple adverse childhood experiences or ACEs, I'll call them from now on, um, it causes a lot of toxic stress for them. Mm. And, you know, and as all of us know, right, stress can put you in a state of mind that is not healthy, that is not, um, you know, and so when kids are constantly under toxic stress, they're always in that fight, flight, or freeze, always, right? Their brains are always analyzing every situation and they're and they're so stressed and their first reaction is and it's different for every kid is to fight flight or freeze right um so that's something to kind of keep in mind something i thought was really interesting and then um and just that toxic stress can have such a negative so many detrimental effects on a child's development and their brain and just their ability to learn and form executive functioning skills um and just you know their ability to regulate is is hindered their emotional development is hindered there's so many so many challenges that can arise cultural experiences who knows uh what has affected a child uh, intergenerationally even uh being a facet here too Mm -hmm. as intergenerational trauma is major um within uh within various indigenous communities mine Mm -hmm. being a part of it so if if that's going to be like shared with educators it's really understanding the the true extent of trauma and how mm-hmm. big trauma is and in some way shape or form one in three kids in the classroom will experience trauma that is a really large statistic like if you yeah. actually think about that that is 10 kids within your class at least mm-hmm. and again it's just such a major notion for our communities also Mm -hmm. to be thinking about this in those lenses so it's going to affect a lot of folks yeah and and that's where the notion of community also is really major here too because with Mm -hmm. um i think i've also mentioned this on the podcast before but i always think it's so interesting but when it comes to maslow's hierarchy of needs um it's actually taken from six um which is the one of the nations here in treaty seven Mm-hmm. And instead of coming from the place of getting to self-actualization at the highest level, it's actually the lowest level for Six Sigma. And then what is actually what is key is getting to the place of community prosperity. So when yeah. all students are able to really think about the community, everyone's able to prosper. So that mm-hmm. means supporting one another and thinking about that in that lens. And that's why, you know, community support, community community awareness, even it's really important uh, within this form of instruction too. I think that, that is what I would do. 
I had my own classroom. Uh, I'm focused on research, but this is what I would be doing, right? So it's um, it's interesting, and, and it's also important for educators to be thinking about the community, I think, in, in a way as well. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, no, and, um, and when we think of that idea of you know, like you said, not all of our kids have the same experiences. It's unfortunate, right? It's like, we think to ourselves that it is, we wish the best for our students, right? But unfortunately, it's not the reality. With this, um, um, the resource goes between two perspectives, um, being through Andy and Billy, and it represents different facets of their development, their environments, um, and ways in which that they have or have not experienced trauma. Um, so with this, it also represents their experiences with stress. Why do you think differentiated uh, responses to supporting students with trauma is an important factor of teaching? Of course. Um, uh, so definitely, you know, when we think of that idea of the healthy brain and um, an unhealthy brain, and the book goes into a lot of detail about the effects that trauma can have on a developing brain and how that can make for an un unhealthy brain, right? And so when we think of a child who's gone through trauma, you know, their their brain, you know, their working memory is not working the same as it should. Um, their logic and reasoning is not working the same as it should. Um, their emotional regulation is not working the same as it should. Um, you know, their ability to make connections and make friendships is not the way that it should right um their impulse control their self-regulation their executive functioning skills like so so a plethora of things are, are are impacted and so i think when we have an understanding of a healthy brain versus an unhealthy brain and 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 we're and we're saying healthy brain as in a child who has grown up in that ideal environment right that the nurturing caring loving environment um an unhealthy brain like Billy who and that's the name like you said that they use in the book Andy has had a predictable stable um, happy nurturing caring environment and Billy has had the the unfortunate not so great environment and that has caused an unhealthy brain and so first and foremost I think it's important to understand the impacts as an educator that trauma has on a developing brain and, and like I said all the plethora of things um, and then we can kind of cater our our classroom environment, our classroom routines, our, our teaching, our way we make connections, our, the way we um, talk with our students can be geared towards that trauma-informed practice. Um, and I think it's important to kind of explain, in the book, they talk about um, top-down control and bottom-down control in your brain. And so um, top-down control is pretty much where a child that you know has had that ideal environment the top-down control it just means that you know those students are able to regulate they're able to um you know make decisions on their own that are appropriate they're able to respond to stress they're able to um you know remain remain calm and, and happy and if they are upset or they are um dysregulated they're able to verbalize what's wrong and you know they have um, they have that toolbox of skills when something goes wrong for them. Whereas a child that is operating primarily from their bottom down part of their brain, a child that has experienced toxic stress and has experienced trauma, you know, they're in a part of their brain where there's no future, there's no consequences, they're thinking about themselves, there's no reason, there's no logic, they're very dysregulated. Um, and, you know, and that's why 
when a child who has experienced trauma and is working from the bottom down um, and they are in a dysregulated state, it's often very hard to bring them back because they don't have the toolbox in that moment to access, okay, I'm angry, what can I do? They don't, they don't have the, that, that toolbox of strategies. And so um, if we kind of need to be in a way prepared with this understanding of trauma and, and trauma-informed practice to when that child is in the bottom down part of their brain and they're dysregulated, how can I support this child? Because telling them, okay, I can see that you're upset. What can we do? They're not going to remember, right? They're just going to be in a total state of, you know, and as Jody Carrington says, I don't know if any of you have listened to her PD or read her book, she's amazing, but Jody Carrington describes it as flipping the lid, right? Yes. They're just, they're exploding. They flipped their lid and now it is up to us to help them calm down. Right? Right. But a student who's impacted by trauma, that will look a lot different because they are just in that that state of just total, you know, there's no future, there's nobody else but me, there's no consequences. And so that's where the whole idea of using connection and, and not fear-based punishment because to them, giving threats or or um, you know, trying to be like, if you keep this up, you're staying in at recess or you're staying in at lunch is only they don't care, right? Because no. they're in a part of their brain where it, it there's no consequences. They're not gonna right. they're not going to understand. Right? right. Um and so I think it just to end that, I think it's just important to remember that, you know, all of our students are different and they will not react the same. And it's kind of uh, important of us to make sure that we are providing those students with the toolbox of skills they need to right. when they are flipping the lid. Right. Uh, and kind of we can differentiate that way and, and support those students that way. I love how you brought Jody Carrington. I love her. her. She's so funny. <laughs> she's so knowledgeable. She just she's so real uh, too. Like just watching her PD. We're actually watching it at the school right now. And she's just so funny and real and raw and She's awesome. She's absolutely phenomenal. She's down to earth and she's hilarious. So um, I would recommend reading kids these days. If, if yes, read that book, I really do recommend it. It's really good. And you really do understand um, kids um, and, and their multiple facets of, you know, development experiences. And, yeah. Um, and she's hilarious. Oh yeah. She's so, so funny. Oh, yeah. Love her. Mm -hmm. um, but also in relation to what you're talking about too with flipping the lid mm -hmm. um, for folks who might not understand what that means um, I always like doing like the visual representation of it so think of this as your brain okay so this is what the, the lid is when it's closed this is the lid when it's open yeah right here is your emotional response which is the thumb and that is central to the responses kids will be doing uh, when they're thinking of present tenses. So that's the non-consequence. That's the um, that's the present thinking, me, 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 unfortunately. And what needs to happen is the preventative, which is ensuring that you catch the kids prior to them flipping mm -hmm. that word yeah. so that you're able to really cater to their needs and really differentiate and really support that trauma right there. Mm -hmm. So that's that only happens again when they're triggered, when they yeah. have that experience and they're like, oh my gosh, okay, hey, that's my response. That's so that's why as educators, we want to support kids as much as possible. Mm -hmm. And it's okay if kids do flip their lids. It's yeah. okay. You know why? It's life. It's oh, experience. Yeah. It's okay. Yeah. But it would be nice for them mm -hmm. to understand the strategies and getting to know themselves in that way. Yeah. 
deal with that and then how to self-regulate is what you're all mentioning too how do we get them to get to that place where this brain is closed right where the and I so, think that's where it's really important too when you know you need to make that connection and you need to know your students so that you know what triggers them you know the, the what things to watch for you, you know so then you can support them before they get to that point right and, yeah. and you can do your best to support them before they get to that point and that's just like where that huge connection piece comes in absolutely connection is key connection is number one that is where you are going to truly embrace what kids are who they are their souls their holistic beings mm -hmm. and then how to effectively care for them in the ways that they need you to care for them as well because i think that's also really important and that's differentiation is knowing your students well enough of what they need and how you can support them with their needs yeah so that's that's really key mm -hmm. um so i have another question here for you mm -hmm. um yes. how can leaders help to support and build resilience and strength within their students as a trauma-informed practice yeah so resilience is, is sort of the ability to overcome life's hardships and and the things that life throws at you and, and and when you are resilient you are able to kind of tackle those problems and you know eventually be okay right and unfortunately for a lot of our students and, and people in general who are impacted by trauma resilience is difficult having grit and perseverance is difficult right um and so resilience really goes hand in hand and, and teaching resilience goes hand in hand with supporting students um impacted by trauma they need to be equipped with the correct tools to get through tough times um because they don't know they don't have those tools yet um and and i always i hear this time and time again from all my mentors and 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 you know like senior teachers and, and teachers who you know, always tell me we can never make assumptions. We truly can't um, as educators. And that's something that I always try to do is, is I shouldn't assume that a child knows how to do something or, or has that skill set because there's a very good chance that they don't. Um, and so we need to be kind of fostering resilience and grit and perseverance in our kids. And there are a few ways to do that. Um, but as this book says, it, and here it actually mentions that fostering resilience in our kids will allow them to, and as uh, they say, uh, rise from the ashes and move from a place of surviving to thriving. And so if we can kind of give the kids those skills, we can you know, foster that resilience, foster that independence, right? And foster their ability to be able to overcome, you know, later on life stressors because, you know, we all have them and they will continue to have them, right? Um, but I think the first step, like we've been talking about a lot, is building a relationship. Um, they need to know that they are cared for and they need to know that they have a trusted adult that they can go to. Someone safe, a, a, you know, a home base, a safe base, someone that they know that they can always go see and talk to and um, and that's really key. And then, you know, after you've established that relationship, I think the next important thing to do is establish some sort of social emotional learning curriculum in, in your classroom or in your school. Um, whatever it looks like to you, but social emotional learning is just essentially teaching kids, um, you know, about their emotions and about regulation and, and calm down strategies and, um, and giving them that toolbox. And uh, students need to be able to recognize their emotions. They need to have the words um, and be able to identify their emotion to know how to overcome them. And so, um, 
you know, social emotional learning might look like using the zones regulation in the classroom or, um, you know, implementing a program like PATH where, you know, every day you're doing a little bit to help students um, recognize and overcome their own emotions. And remember that emotions are okay and we all feel them and it is okay to feel your emotions. But, and we use the zones a lot in my classroom is, hey, you're in the red or yellow or blue zone. How can we bring you back to the green zone? And um, it's kind of really helping them have that toolbox. Um, Often, you know, these students never learned those skills at home, right? Um, And now we kind of step in to act as that catch up for them, that redo of learning those skills for them. Um, And then I think the third thing I would say for fostering resilience, I took a really awesome class in my master's. It was all about character-based education, which is something that I had never really heard about, something I had never really learned about, read about, nothing. Um, And it was a whole class about, it was, the the textbook was based off of three um, kind of case studies of three schools, like inner city schools in, um, I wanna say Chicago. Um, And, just the success they've had with turning around their dropout rates, turning out, turning around their um, violence, turning around their, um, uh, you know, grad, like I guess increasing their graduation rates, like everything like that, just simply by implementing an amazing character-based education. And kind of what that looks like is teaching students about, you know, um, what it means to be honest, what it means to be kind. And I know that we do that already through read-alouds and conversations and all of that, but truly modeling and giving real life examples to what different character traits look like and how they can show that themselves and kind of fostering that culture of um, high expectations and having high expectations for yourself, right? Um, and, uh, And even just like helping them understand the appropriate reaction to situations and and the appropriate reaction to emotions and something i like to use in my classroom a lot is social stories right they're awesome i'm sure many of you have heard of them or have used them but social stories just kind of it's a social story it's a story of of a similar kid or adult going through whatever they're going through and it kind of in a in a very kid easy story-based fashion kind of goes through the motions as to what they can do to overcome that emotion or overcome that stress. And I think that's really key with this kind of informed practice mm-hmm. is listening to stories, listening to the students, listening yeah. to the experiences. It's just so important to listen to understand before to be understood. And I think that statement, I think I've said it before so many times, like mm-hmm. on the podcast, here, there, everywhere, always in research, always in these facets. But it is one of my most favorite statements. And I think it's so meaningful and so important is because every single individual in this world will have a different story, mm-hmm. will have a different experience, and will have different notions of becoming, of getting to their place of character, getting to their place of being who they are mm-hmm. at the end of the and I think when we're able to support these share, like these story sharings, um, or with these relationship building abilities, especially within the classroom, it allows kids to really feel confident and comfortable and safe because, oh, they're sharing. Okay, interesting. Maybe I'll share tomorrow. Maybe I'll show you the next day. Maybe I won't ever share, and that's okay too. Mm-hmm. But if they feel safe enough to still be able to share, even within 
their day or even, you know, something that might have happened to them um, within their day, maybe a conflict with a friend. You know, it doesn't really matter what that story sharing will necessarily be. But if they feel comfortable to share even what their favorite Marvel character is with you, you know, like it's just there's so many facets with this. Mm -hmm. But if they're able to at least share something about themselves in some way, shape or form, that offers connection and that connection is and that really does offer so much opportunities to then get to know your student more, more and more, and then really um, ensure their success. Mm -hmm. Various products, like right, and that's the differentiation piece. Too, but yeah, oh, God. I think I know Jordi Carrington. She mentions in her um, PD about the importance of building a connection in a way that suits the students, right? Because there are some students who are very, um, you know, they are very very present right they're very they're very loud and they're very outgoing and they're very and they do like the kind of over the top hi how are you i'm so happy to see you and they love that but there are other kids who would be what are you doing please stop <laughs> right and there are students like that and so part of getting to know them is getting to know how and when how the best way to get to know them is right yeah. um you know not every student likes the super I'm so happy to see you, right? And some of them more would maybe like a more private, how are you doing? Like a just, you know, a, a non-prying, non-way of connecting. And I think that's an important factor too. Absolutely. I love that. I love that too, because like, obviously I, I, I am very enthusiastic, mm -hmm. but I also know my limits though with students too. If I tell that, if I can tell that they're kind of more chill and that mm -hmm. they're laid back, I won't, be as enthusiastic in a way yeah like it's just turning the energy been with kids and under, and meeting them where they are at with their energies yeah and if you're tapping into that it's actually not too difficult to tell where you're at with that student and the levels they're at because yeah. you can you can tell you could just tell that's just kind of like body language and just like you know common sense sometimes mm -hmm. there, i think but yeah honestly sense it's one of the most like easiest things that we can tap into as yeah. educators but it's just yeah. being able to witness it and like be aware of it though too and your limits with students i think that's really key so thank you for bringing that up because yeah. i think that's really important so with that what does a trauma-informed school mean to you mm -hmm. and how can a learning community achieve the culture yeah um i think first or foremost uh, a trauma-informed school means shifting from kind of that fear-based punishment culture and and shifting more to a connection and a love-based culture it's seeking to understand all of the whys behind behaviors and why kids are acting like this and and what might be going on in their and in, in their life to be causing these um behaviors um and it is really shifting our own opinions about um children and their behavior uh it is really kind of just instead of thinking like oh why is this kid like that like i don't get it into more being like okay why is that child acting like that? Is there something that's going on that is making that child act like that? Um, and uh, it just, it means that you are creating a culture of connections and not only with like student and teacher connections or, or student and principal connections, it's student-student connections. And it's like the book mentioned, it's really important to be watching those student interactions in the hallway, in the cafeteria, in the classroom, at recess, at lunch, right? Because um, you know, it, it, you can kind of be first and foremost right there to intervene if something is happening between students. And I think 
it's we can try our hardest as teachers to foster that community of of connection and that community of love and that community of safety but ultimately if if the kids are not getting along or the kids are not kind of um during non-classroom times and it's it's really difficult to kind of keep maintaining that culture because there's something going on with the kids themselves right um and i think it also means we shift from using the fear-based punishment and more towards the positive reinforcement right mm-hmm. and you know when students like i mentioned earlier when students are in their bottom up part of their brain there is no logic there is no reason there is no consequences there is no future and so using fear-based punishment doesn't even work because they don't they don't realize right they're they're like okay so they're they're so dysregulated that it doesn't matter right and so they won't work and so i think that's kind of where we have to like you said before they flip the lid we need to instill all of those important uh skills and toolbox and strategies and social emotional learning so that if they do and when they do not even if when they do flip their lid they have can access small parts of their brain that allow them to use those strategies um and then also i think it's important to create this culture of trauma informed practice it's important to like i said earlier to implement and make social emotional learning part of your everyday routine um there's so many good programs out there there's so many different ways you can do it whether you have a calm down space or a calm down room or the zones of regulation or paths kids or whatever you want to use there's so many good resources um because kids are born knowing how to regulate they aren't and they learn that by watching us and they learn that by watching other people's reactions and and seeing how people handle situations and if they didn't have that loving caring nurturing person in their life they never learned those skills and so now right. it's kind of up to us um and also with that comes creating a, a common school language right so um i think it's important that everybody in the school is using this, a similar social emotional language so if you're going to use zone regulation everybody's using zone regulation or if you're going to use paths everyone's using paths um if you have a calm down room everyone's kind of aware of how to use it and and the benefits of it right and like you said it truly is important having everybody on board this book actually mentions how you should have a a whole school wide pd about trauma for everybody so they all understand trauma they all understand um kind of what it is how it impacts kids you know the andy and the billy the healthy brain versus the unhealthy brain and then how they can support those students um and like you said everyone has to be on board parents students kids tutorial staff resource workers learning coaches whoever you have in your school everyone needs to be on board and everyone kind of needs to have that common language um and i think it's important you can even do things like implementing a calm down room like i said or a calm down space that kids know how to use um yeah. and having your teens is really important um you know the with the amount of toxic stress that kids are under the last thing they need to worry about is their day at school and so that's where mm-hmm. i kind of think having those structured routines and having similar things every day just gives them one less thing to worry about so like if you have morning meeting have morning meeting every day if you have you know literacy in the morning have literacy in the morning every day if, if you do something for lunch do that every day right so then those kids can just they don't need to go in adding another stress of being like oh what are we going to do at school today what's my morning going to look like what's my lunch going to look like like oh what's going to happen on the bus today like they don't need to they don't need to add that stress um and then like i said everyone everyone just needs to be on board to kind of create this culture of trauma informed practice That's gorgeous. And I appreciate 
is the the idea of having a calm space or a calm room um within another conversation with a colleague we were talking about the benefits of meditation and mm -hmm. yoga you can do to support uh, students going through you know stress or yeah. even you know just that that kind of preamp of flipping the lid even as well and it's um it's a common practice and it's a meaningful practice but again like a room doesn't necessarily just need to be about meditation and yoga but rather sensory tools it could be about like books reading just a really humble and supportive and good environment is basically yeah. what at that particular time mm -hmm. still with an adult in the room of course like yes. not just like, oh, go be by yourself or anything no mm -hmm. like it, it would still have to be um supervised but still ensuring that the adult in the room as well knows how to kind of be like a fly on the wall yeah yeah because you don't want them to also be like okay how can i help you how can i help you how can i help you that's not necessarily what that student might need at that particular time but still be there so that the kid is aware, okay, well, this is this person is even a resource you can talk to. Yeah, this person is someone who can support you. Um, again, being aware of, you know, school dynamics and, and the socioeconomical uh, notions of schools too. Not all schools would have these forms of environments. So that's where your notions of routine is, is really important. Because I think that at least if they don't have the resources to have a gorgeous, beautiful, fabulous room like that, mm -hmm. at least they have an educator and they have a structure to go yeah. to, to rely on and to really be a part of. And it's really important for educators not to change that routine either, because that will create an impact for that student to really be like, oh my, oh, you know, like yeah. it could actually trigger them, right? So that's, that's not anything that you would want inside your classroom. Um, nor the environment you would want to to also have to because when you have routine you also are starting to structure trust yeah. and not break that trust in a way right mm -hmm. um, or if you do decide to maybe change a facet of routine have a conversation with your class about it first prior to you then doing that because then also allows for transparency and again trust again right yeah. so being open and being yeah. aware of that is really key yeah, and even if your school, you know, doesn't like the schools don't have all the funds in the world right now, right? And and even if your school doesn't have the resources to make a calm down room, even just having a calm down corner in your classroom is huge. Like in my classroom, it's it's a simple one. Um, obviously with COVID rules, there are lots of things that can't be in a calm down space right now. Like, you know, nothing soft and and nothing that can't be sanitized. But even having like lazy eight posters on on your in your calm down corner where it helps them breathe and just breathing posters um you know i have like a little like pocket chart where the kids are like how am i feeling and they pick a like they pick emotions and they stick it down and then it's like what do i need and then they they select them right because sometimes those words for those kids are hard to reach at that time right um and i even think kids recognizing that they are dysregulated that they are having a big emotion as we as we say and the fact that they are recognizing that and going to that trauma or trauma space that calm down space or that calm down room is huge that is them regulating they are realizing oh okay i'm having a big emotion like i need to go use my the resources available to me and that's huge so even if you have just something you know small with a few laminated breathing posters on the wall that's huge like that is just a small step that you can take to kind of helping your students learn those important self-regulation skills. Uh, and isn't that gorgeous too? Because I know with the last question we have here as well, it's, it's actually talking about strategies to also yeah. include in the classroom, right? Mm -hmm. And I love how these two 
questions kind of go hand in hand because in order for you to have a community that is supportive of being trauma-informed, it also alludes to the teacher also creating strategies, but also for these strategies to also be holistic for the whole school community to also be taking up as well. So they really do go hand in hand with being able to be a supportive and inclusive and loving and caring, compassionate environment for these kids to be able to be like, okay, I could be my best self. I could begin to be my best self and really grow and nurture that, right? Mm-hmm. So it, it's really, you know, it's really important. Mm-hmm. Um, I think with one thing that, um, if it's okay to you, that I'd like to include with, sure. with having a informed uh, school community as well. I think it's really important, again, to, to think about Maslow's hierarchy of needs as instead of the Siksika nation's hierarchy rather because I think that allows for more of a holistic notion of talking about trauma uh, but not just trauma just regulation of of just community practice of building because in order for us to you know as educators um Amanda so then with this we have the last question which which is fabulous for educators um and the question is, what are meaningful strategies to support this form of school environment? And why is this important? Sure. Um, there are so many different things you can do. You know, every teacher kind of has their own flair, their own um, way of doing things. But and I know if you're a teacher, if you know a teacher, you as teacher, we hear this all the time. Connection, 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 connection. And I know that's a word that is just tossed around like crazy in the education world. But it's so true. Like we it's like trying to build a house with no foundation like you can't none of the good work that you try to put in none of the strategies that you try none of the awesome supports or targeted accommodations or whatever routines and and sel and morning meetings and everything will not work if you don't have that connection um and so i think that's first and foremost a strategy that can be implemented anywhere everywhere is building that connection with those kids they need to feel like you like them they need to feel like you care about them they need to feel like they can trust you and if you have that all of the amazing things that you will try to put in place will will work magic for those kids um and even simple things like greeting your students every day um right now i have socially distanced greetings on my door and every morning without fail after those kids get sanitized they wait at my door and i stand there after i sanitize them and uh we greet it's an air hug or a peace sign or or heart hands or um some kids want to have a dance party like whatever it is some kids choose other things on the on the socially distanced greeting but it's a thing that we do every morning and it puts a smile on my face it puts a smile on the kid's face and it just kind of gets our morning started off on a good way like even or even just simple greetings like good morning i am happy to see you or oh i'm so happy you're here um i missed you just small things like that can really build that um that school environment that trauma-informed and not even just trauma-informed just that loving like you mentioned that loving uh, the kids feel like they belong. It is an environment that where everyone feels um, safe and happy and welcome and warm and fuzzy, right? Um, and being, like I said earlier, being present during times of the day to watch student interaction. Because um, that also gives you a lot. It kind of helps you cater your, you know, okay, I'm noticing kids are having a lot of problems at lunch. Maybe that's something we bring into our lessons, right? Um, and just making sure that you can step in because you'd be surprised how much of your, you know, hard work and good work with social emotional learning and, and trauma informed practice can totally be just, you know, like all gone because the kids aren't getting along 
right? Or a kid doesn't feel like they belong or a kid doesn't feel like they have friends or whatever it is, right? Um, and so just being present during those times as much as you can. I know that as teachers, we need breaks too. And we need to eat lunch and photocopy and laminate and cut and do whatever meetings and all that. But um, just try your best to be present for as many things as you can. Like I'll even try to sort of when the kids are working, I'll like kind of be sneakily walking around. Not very sneaky, they see me, but you know, just kind of listening in on what they're talking about and just, you know, just just seeing and, and hearing if they are in fact using the strategies that we have been talking about in class, right? And just working together. Are they collaborating? Are they working together good, right? Because maybe they're not and that's some, somewhere you have to step in. So that's something, um, having morning meetings. I love morning meetings. I will praise morning meetings till the day I die. It is just such an easy way to bring the community together. And however you structure your morning meetings, like every morning we do the date and I teach grade two. So we're still kind of, le- they're still kind of learning about like the days of the week. They know them, but we still review them. And, uh, you know, ordinal numbers, like today is December 9th, not December 9th, right? You do some yeah. stuff like that. You, you'll have a morning message. And for my morning message, we always do um, like a, uh, we read it and we do punctuation and we have like whole brain teaching for our punctuation. Like this is a capital letter and this is a period, right? Um, and then they're usually like, it usually follows a greeting. So I'll get the kids to all greet each other some way. Uh, with COVID, it looks a bit different, uh, but we'll do good morning train where we all say good morning to everybody as fast as we can. Or we'll say like, good morning, I'm Miss Van Neck and today I feel happy. Or, you know, and, and just saying things like that. Um, and then there's always a morning activity. So sometimes it's a go noodle. Sometimes it's a fun free dance. Sometimes it's a, it's a group activity. It's a collaboration activity. Um, and it's just such a, a fun, happy way to just kind of get the kids ready to learn and get some smiling and get some talking and interacting with people that some kids that maybe they wouldn't usually interact with. Right. And it kind of builds that culture of trust and that culture of um I am welcomed by everyone in this room, not just my teacher and my friends. So morning meetings are awesome. Um, You know, giving them that those tools and strategies before they are dysregulated. So, you know, if they, um, you know, if you're you're talking about how to solve a problem or if you're talking about um, your emotions and, and how you can react to your emotions and how you can uh you know bring yourself back to the green zone from the red to yellow it's just doing all those things is being proactive instead of reactive right so if you can be proactive as much as possible and and give even if it's too much give those kids all the tools they can because then in that event that they do flip their lid and and they are having a big emotion um you don't need to be reactive you've been proactive they have the tools and you now just kind of become and like i said it's not a perfect formula there are kids and they will still be so upset and so dysregulated and those happen right and sometimes you can give them oh like what happened like i've given them xyz and xyz and xyz and and they're still not and you know what that happens right um but it's just trying to be as proactive as you can and um uh, checking in with students often, you know, when, when if a kid comes in upset or looks upset or even just looks a little off, check in with them, right? Say, hey, how's your morning? Do you eat breakfast? Like whatever, just even doing, even if nothing's wrong, even if even if just their face that morning, they, they like that. They appreciate that you're taking the time to notice them and, and care about them, right? Yeah. Um, and then, like I said earlier, another strategy is just, I have lots, is, uh, <laughs> is, uh, having a routine, having a structured routine and setting a plan for transition. Transition, not only for kids that are impacted by trauma, but a lot of our kids and kiddos are, transitions are tough, 
they're tricky. Um, and if they're not structured, they can cause a lot of chaos in our classrooms, right? And, and I know a lot of teachers and I feel I'm working on transitions, but even just giving plenty of warning before transitions, like, okay, I'm going to set a five minute timer and in five minutes, we need to be cleaning up and, and ending this activity or whatever. Um, because students who are, are already experiencing that toxic stress, like you said earlier, are already in fight, flight or freeze. And we just don't need to add that kind of always worrying about what's next what are we doing next? When's this transition? Do I have enough time to finish this? Whatever, whatever. Um, and yeah, just like getting to know your students. Student interest surveys are awesome and easy, just a good way to kind of gain some insight into who they are. And um, I know there's a really good book if anyone's ever read it if you're a teacher, but this called um, Things I Wish My Teacher Knew. Um, and it's a really good book. It's just about the teacher writes this story about just the like, honestly surprising thing she every year there or no i think it's the, the boy um every year he asks the students i wish my teacher knew and they fill it out and it's just like this amazing beautiful book about just the things that kids have shared with him blame those are my strategies <laughs> those are all amazing and i feel like that they can help folks in various ways in various formats and again with various ages as yeah. well because with what you're also mentioning too, especially with that particular resource that you just shared too, mm -hmm. that could be exceptional for um, junior high. Yeah, that could older. be meaningful for junior high students because mm -hmm. that's when they kind of are more aware of who they are, their senses mm -hmm. of self. And then they'd be like, okay, yeah, I've kind of done this rodeo a couple of years now. I kind of know what I think I want my teacher to know about me, right? So yeah. also a really useful tool too because it allows kids to share aspects about themselves without needing to verbally share it too. And yeah. a lot of kids are safer doing it in, in that format too. So that's really, that's a really meaningful um, resource. It's a very powerful um, book. It's quite sad in some parts, like just some of the things that the kids shared with him over the years, just like totally devastating things that you might, because like you said, trauma impacts kids very differently. And so you might not have had any idea, right? That this kid was battling and, and had nobody or very limited access to people who could support them through that really challenging time and so it is a very um yeah definitely junior high and high school um and even you could adapt it to fit the younger grades too but yeah definitely mm -hmm. important to kind of know what your kids are going through for sure and that's the one thing that i also love about the importance of connection and i know that it, that you've mentioned a couple of times now too mm -hmm. um but i think connection is still key i think connection allows for um all the strategies to almost follow suit. And if you are able to establish a really good relationship pedagogically with your students, it really does allow for a lot more building, school mm -hmm. share, and yeah. cultivating that really gorgeous and useful, inclusive school environment that mm -hmm. yeah, incorporates, especially with being from informed educators. So it's, uh, it's key. It's key. Yeah. It is. It honestly is. Like, and even those kids kiddos who have experienced complex trauma, which are just repeated trauma over uh, a, a, a series of time and, and often at a young age, um, who don't have, like I said earlier, that nurturing, caring adult in their life, they have no idea or very limited idea of what a healthy relationship looks like. And as they get older, that puts them at risk of being in relationships that are toxic and that are not good for them because they do not have an idea of what a healthy nurturing caring relationship looks like and so if you can be that adult for those kids um and you can be that model for them of, of, of how a relationship should look um and how it should function is huge it, it it in such a small way in such an easy way to help 
kids make connections with adults with friends you know in in and in the future in their love lives right like it just it helps them so tremendously the connection just so 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 important <laughs> so yeah um, i just love how you mentioned that too because i just recently had a conversation with with a friend about you know how you know health even should be talking about healthy relationships and yeah. should be talking about the relationships even what that might potentially look like and yeah. being honest about these facets and these aspects mm-hmm. of life yeah and knowing how to see it how to meet it how to treat it how to get out of it if yeah. you are in fact a toxic relationship right yeah and that's also cultivating boundaries and i think boundary sharing is also really important uh for you know educators also to share with their students and vice versa with the students to educators but also with their peers like for example if um i'm assessing something at my desk and a student is needing something from me and i feel very overwhelmed i'll be like oh is it okay if you can give me just a moment and you know and the kid respecting that that's really good cuz yeah. that's respect- right mm-hmm. but also respecting spaces as for example if a kid and a kid are like you know inside the same bubble whatever is for covid in particular too you know like what does that boundary of safe spaces also look like compared to one another right and how yeah. what affected right mm-hmm. so that's also boundaries as well and that's a good um, point too actually because i remember when i was learning uh during my masters too there was a there was a whole section on um you know a, a huge part of trauma informed practice too is taking care of yourself right because you know especially if you are in a school it's pretty clearly that does it is plagued by a lot of trauma it, it takes a toll on your mental health as well and um you know and it's you know it's like that caregiver trauma right like you're you're constantly exposed to it and you and you feel for those kids right and and um and i think a huge part of kind of eliminating that fear based and that punishment based culture is also recognizing your own emotions and recognizing when okay like this kid particularly right now is making me want to flip my lid and that happens right like we have especially <laughs> like and it was true though like sometimes we do have the interaction with kids where we're like oh right like and you're angry but you have to recognize that yourself and it's okay to tell your kids too you know what i am now in the red or yellow or blue zone and i need a minute right cuz even doing that you are telling those kids oh 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 my teacher has feelings too and what? she knows <laughs> strategies and they're like oh and you're even modeling to them right like if they're having a problem with their friend you're modeling to them like hey i am upset right now i just i need a minute i need some space and then let's talk in in a few minutes and they're like oh, wow And then that's something that's a tool that's a skill that you just given them right because now yeah. maybe in the future when they have a problem with their friend they're going to be like Well, yeah, I remember that one time like you told me she needs space. You know what, friend? I need space right now. Right? <laughs> so even just recognizing that like you need to also kind of uh remember your own emotions too, right? Because if, even if we try to act, if we're frustrated, if we're having a bad day, if we're, you know, you know, things are going wrong that day and this 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 and this is happening and you have a meeting after school and then million assessments and report cards and this kid is, you know, really acting out and you're having a hard time, it's important to remember that you're you won't get anywhere if you try to deal or help a child from a place of dysregulation yourself right yeah. you need to also take the time to bring yourself back to the green zone and bring yourself back to a regulated zone and then you'll you'll be able to you know properly 
help and support that student. Mm -hmm. That is so funny that you're mentioning that in that kind of way, because when I went through my resident advising training, we called it like the mask when you're on there, right? You got to make sure that your mask is on first in order for you to feel safe and then for you to then help others around you. So you have to ensure that goodness for yourself first and yourself in order for you to then check others and support yeah. others you need so and yeah. and again, that's just being able to be transparent yeah trustful and honest within these forms of conversations because that's what that true trauma-informed environment really calls for it's for the teacher to also be a part of that community yeah and they yeah. have, have experienced this and you know, not in, you're right. Like not every day was a great teaching day, but oh God, the goodness, is it okay for that to be the case? Yeah. Right. Yeah. So it's being able to be honest with your students and allowing them to then build that capacity. Yeah. Because I think capacity building too in these notions, um, the capacity to understand boundaries and that everyone has boundaries and yeah. everyone has this. Mm-hmm. So how do I then do it and how can I further support it? Right. Really yeah. asking your questions. Yeah, and kids love when you're very transparent and real with them, right? Like they like seeing that you are just not a uh, authority figure in their life. You are a person, right? A- another human breathing being who has feelings and emotions and bad days too, right? And for our trauma, you know, our kids impacted by trauma who are developing those skills still, for them to see that and for them to see an appropriate reaction to a stress in life is huge. Like without yeah. even realizing it, you having a bad day is actually helping your kids out a lot. If, if, if you're taking the time <laughs> to you know, recognize your emotions and, and kind of model those um, those situations for them. Mm-hmm. And that's gorgeous and that's important too. Mm-hmm. Well, Amanda, I wanna be respectful of your time too, but I feel like it's a topic you and I could probably go for hours talking yeah. about. <laughs> I, could, I, could, I, I could go on and on and on. There's so many things that you could, that so many things. Like just like connect. To trauma and just like just like oh this comes in and this comes in and this comes in right there's so many things um but yeah. oh, and, it's, and that's just it hey like everything's connected we're all connected in some way shape or form and you know i really do want to thank you for one being a part of the co- uh the podcast today and secondly to thank you for also teaching within these times too i know that with educators especially who are teaching in schools i do say you are frontline workers as well and i I really do think that what you're doing is admirable amazing and thank you on behalf of like all canadians like thank you (laughs) thank you and thanks for having me i uh it was nice to you know it's been like you know six or seven months since i've graduated and so it's kind of nice to just sort of bring it up again and and talk about it again so i really appreciate uh you having me on here and and yeah this has been awesome i really appreciate it thank you Thank you so much. And um, folks listening, watching, thank you so much for again listening to the to the conversation that Amanda and I had tonight. Again, if you have any questions at all, feel, please feel free to reach out uh, as I, I'm sure that we'd be both be happy if, if Amanda is also comfortable to, to, to also respond to any of your questions that you may possibly have. You are okay. Good. I just want. Yeah. Oh okay. yeah. Oh totally. Oh yeah. Ask the questions. I, I'm no expert, but I can try to help. No expert by any means, but uh, yeah, definitely. I'm definitely, definitely open to questions for sure. Gorgeous. Yeah. Thank you, and thank yeah. you so much for being able to offer that to you. Again, folks, have a great night, and thank you again, Amanda, so much for being able to hold this conversation with me. Have a great rest of your evening, and thanks again for having me. Thank you so much, Amanda. Bye All right. Bye, bye everyone. Bye everyone.